Well, good morning, Chapel family. How are you guys doing? So excited that you're here. If I look a little self-conscious today, it's because my wife was a pastor's kid for many, many years, and last week she said, you need to stand up straighter when you preach. And then she said, stop, stop playing with your sleeves, too. And then she said, when you hold your Bible, don't, don't fold your Bible around backwards. It's disrespectful to the Bible. No, she didn't say that. Glad you guys are here. We are in Galatians chapter 5 this morning. We are talking about a very, very, very popular Christian topic because as we traverse and navigate through this series on the Holy Spirit, inevitably you have to come to the part of the Bible that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So we know who the Holy Spirit is, we know what He does, we know how He gifts us, and now we're going to look at the type of fruit that if you are connected to the Spirit will come out of your lives. Uh, these fruits, the fruit or the fruit of the Spirit, it's been on coffee mugs, bumper stickers, Christian t-shirts, we've got songs about it. I promised I wouldn't sing the kids' song again. But let's pray, and we're going to jump in and see what God would have for us. Father, we need you today. We need you especially today so that we don't turn this list into another religious checklist that we then try to obey. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would plant every person here in your Holy Spirit, that we would be rooted and grounded and filled with your Spirit in such a way that we would bear the type of fruit we're going to study this morning. I love you. I thank you for your word. Let it transform our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and read through it really quick. I'm going to read through the whole thing from verse 16 to 24, and you can follow along in the screen, or if you have a real Bible or a fake Bible, you could follow along in there. Galatians 5, chapter... Uh, Chapter 5, verse 16 to 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires. May God bless the reading of his word. Man, that's a big list. I love this concept of the fruit of the Spirit because um, I cannot grow anything to save my life. If you give me a plant, I am more likely to kill it within a matter of minutes than I am to bring it to life. And I think one of my kids inherited this. Uh, one of the chapel families gave us a plumeria tree recently. This was just last week. And I love plumerias because I lived in Hawaii. I love the smell of plumerias. I just want to have plumerias and make lays and wear them all the time. Well, I bring this beautiful plumeria stock home. It's about three feet tall and a few big broad leaves. So this plumeria, it's looking hopeful. And I set it on my front door because I have some things in my hand. And I go inside to tell my wife about stuff going on for my kid's birthday party. And I say, by the way, we got a plumeria plant 
it's right out front. And before I noticed anything, I see Silas. He's my adorable cute one. They all are adorable and cute, but he's the real cute one. He sneaks by me like a ninja. And then he comes back in. And then I go out to take my big, beautiful plumeria plant that had these beautiful leaves. And all that's left is a sad little plumeria stalk and shredded leaves and chunks all over the ground. This is what my life is like with the fruit of the Spirit. I am telling you that when I, I cannot cause, and you cannot cause yourself to be more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those. I'll say it slower next time so I get them all. What I need us to focus on today is how Paul walks us through. Last week we looked at the spirit that brings you freedom, and unless you get that right, you'll get this wrong. If you don't understand that you're freed from the law, that God frees you to live for Christ, then you'll get the fruit of the spirit wrong. And when Paul goes into it, he says, here's how you are to walk. If you are free in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now I know, all of you here are saints. All of you here sin way less than I imagine you do. So when, he, when I read that list, none of you related to anything on that list, right? The bad list, the naughty list, this is the list that Santa doesn't visit. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, Nobody here probably ever. Impurity. Chances are unlikely. Sensuality. I don't even know what that means. I went to college twice. <laughs> Idolatry. None of you guys worship golden statues of monkeys or blue elephants. Sorcery. I know that some of you secretly cast Harry Potter spells in your closet, so you are guilty of that one. Enmity, strife, jealousy. No one here in America is jealous. None of us are looking around on the freeway at what other people have and being jealous of that. Anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And the reason it's important that you have the Holy Spirit is because when Jesus walked the earth, that was God walking next to people. And then he left and said, remember, it's better that I leave so I can send the Spirit, because now it's not God walking next to people, now it's God living in you to change you from the inside out, to show you all of these things, this junk drawer list that he says, this is the work of the flesh, these are the fruit of the Spirit. If you're free, you will stop doing these and you will start doing these. But what we have to realize is that in our brand of Christianity, we, we love control, we love checklists, we love trying to do it ourselves which is why we have all of the t-shirts and the coffee mugs and the bulletins and the Bible studies, because we think if we just try a little bit harder that we will finally, finally get the fruit of the Spirit in us to the measure that we want. Well, let me ask a question. So before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, I need to ask you this. The nine fruits, love. Do you guys know anybody that's loving in your life? Loving. Anybody know loving people? Wow. You can raise your hand. If you're married and a man, you better raise your hand. Like straight up, but like if you're lying in church, you get a pass for that one. We know loving people. Sometimes the loving people aren't the people in the church body. Some of the most loving people that I've known in my life are not in the church body. They're not people who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're not people who have embraced God by faith through Jesus. How about joyful? Anyone know joyful people? You know those people that are so joyful on bad days, you just want to smack the smile right off of them because they're happy no matter what. We all know people like that, and I could, we could go through this list. You know people that are faithful. They're, they're there no matter what. Do you know people that are gentle? 
Some people are born with a gentle disposition. They are so kind and so gentle, but, but I need to get at you from the outset and say, just because somebody has attributes that are called the fruit of the Spirit doesn't necessarily mean they're growing by the power of the fruit of the Spirit. Something we often forget about in Christianity is that we are all made in the image of God. Every single person you see is the imprint image of the divine creator of the universe. On a recent trip up to a children's ministry thing that I was taking our, our associate children's director to, he said, who is the most interesting person you've ever met? He's a young guy, Jesse, in the back, so he asks all sorts of weird questions about superheroes and interesting things, and he's just picking my brain. And I thought about it, and I said, I think I really just like human beings. Because I think it's so amazing that when I look at each person, that God said, that's my image. This is part of my image that's bearing my divineness to everything else around them, whether or not they're Christians. That baby is made in the image of God. <laughs> my kids are made in the image of God. No matter what's going on in our life, every single human around the entire planet is made in the image of God. So right now, look at the person next to you and say, you're made in the image of God. That was weak. You guys need to fire it up. Okay, how about this? I'll say a phrase, and you say, made in the image of God. Ready? We're going to try this out. It's like a school lesson. All of us are? Okay. Every man in the world is? Every woman in the world is? Every rotten little preschooler that bites is? Every teenager that's rebellious and thinks they know everything is? Every politician is? I literally heard someone say, I don't know about that. Every politician, we're going to try it again. Every politician is? Okay, now can I get serious as cancer with you for a second? I want us to say this and mean it. And I wrestled through this one, and I prepared this before what happened in Paris. Every terrorist is? Every person and if we don't start there, we start casting stones before we cast gospel seeds, before people have an opportunity to have the fullness of the Spirit in their lives. If we don't start with the fact that every person is made in the image of God and every person has capacities that, that reflect God's divinity, every person has a capacity to love and be gentle, that every person does that now. Sin fractured that, marred that, broke that, stained that image of God. So... So whereas at one point every person is made in the image of God, salvation is only offered through Jesus Christ, and then spiritual growth is the Spirit's work of restoring the image of God to all of humanity. Because not everyone will grow up and have the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot do it apart from the Spirit of God. You can get lopsided, but one of the things that you, don't, you may not see there, because in English we don't have quite the same grammatical tenses and, and, uh, and pluralities, is that the word fruit in this passage is singular fruit. And I know the bumper stickers, like they say, it's the fruit of the Spirit, and there's like a fruit bowl, and like the banana is love, and the grapes are joy, and you get all the fruit. It's just one fruit in the Bible. It's very clear there, right in the Greek, it's a singular fruit. This one giant fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This one fruit will grow all together. And that's how you can know if it's the Spirit working in you or just yourself trying to muster it up. Because I can muster up love. 
I can just try really hard to be the most loving person that I can. And by the time I get home, if I'm being honest, I'm exhausted of trying to love people. I can muster up gentleness. That's probably one of my worst ones on this list, naturally. I could try to be gentle and, and kind and do the hugging thing. But apart from the Spirit of God, I'll just get angrier and less peaceful the more gentle I get because it's not my natural disposition. What, what Paul wants to contrast with the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit is, is very clear. Notice, what does he call the flesh? It's, it's not the weeds of the flesh. It's not the dirt of the flesh. It's not the junk of the flesh. It's the works of the flesh. Because if we are trying to work, if we're checklisting our life, it's going to be things that are our effort by our strength trying to accommodate ourselves as the God of all things. And that works of the flesh list, it is nasty. And here's what I don't want us to do. Here's what I do and what's very easy to do. You read a list like that, and we'll go through it again, because we cannot repeat these enough. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. You read a list like that, and if you're anything like me, here's the first thing that you do. You say, I've probably done fits of anger. I've been jealous, but my neighbor, he is one immoral sucker. My boss, I mean, they cheat, they lie, they do this and that. And you can always find, as I've told you before, you can always find a dirtier kid on the block than you. And that's so often what we do in Christianity. We read a list like this, and we say, look at how bad this type of list is. As long as I can find someone that looks worse than me, then I'm probably okay. And then you look at the fruit of the Spirit list, you say, look how good this is. Man, I've only got three out of nine, but as long as I can find somebody that's only got two out of nine, I'm probably okay and Jesus still loves me. The good news is that Jesus loves you despite you. The good news is that, that we talked about in Galatians is that when he sent Jesus, you believe in Jesus by faith, you are washed and clean. Your past sins are forgiven, your present sins are being forgiven as you sin, and your future sins are forgiven. It's a past, present, future tense. All of your sins, it is finished for all time. And then God gives you his spirit to say, now that you're free, I'm going to grow something in you from the inside that's going to feel foreign and different, and it's going to change the way you live. It's no longer going to be the works of the flesh. Now, idolatry is probably the one I, I stick on the most when I read that. And I've shared this a couple times. Uh, we don't have a lot of idols here in the way of formal idols. I am sure if I go to some of your houses... I could pick out some idols because I'm half Asian. I know you can't tell. It's my Filipino half. It's a short, dark half. Um, that's my dad, not my mom, obviously. Sorry, Filipinos. <laughs> They're all on the front row because they can't see over the people in front of them. <laughs> so just sinned. That's works of the flesh. I need to circle back Jesus. I'm sorry. Okay. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Love you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> Where was I? Okay, idolatry. If I go to your houses, you may have some idols around, especially if you love Asian cultures. When I went to India, idols are everywhere. You hop in a cab, there's Ganesh. You hop in a, a restaurant, here's an Indian god. Indian god, they're everywhere. Asian cultures have it all over the place. My grandparents, the Filipino side, they had this beautiful bamboo mural of the Last Supper where all the bamboo was light and dark and it came together and Jesus, boom, and right under it was a giant fat Buddha statue. And they were confused. Now, we don't have that. If I went to all of your houses today, and I might just play sneak attack because I've got the directory. I'm just going to hop into one of your houses right around 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock or for Sunday night football. And then I'm going to find out who the real idolaters are. Because you know how they used to worship in ancient times? 
they would put face paint on their face. And they would dress in the garbs that represented their gods. And they would jump up and down and chant for their gods. And I know some of you guys are thinking, I don't dance to Jesus. I know, but you dance to the Buccaneers, and they are way worse than Jesus. Too soon? Too soon? If you don't think that's idolatry, we're all fooling ourselves. At least I danced to six-time Super Bowl champions, Pittsburgh Steelers. Is there a Steelers fan here? That's what I'm talking about. My people. I'm out of control today. Idolatry. Look for that in your life. Here's what uh, one of my favorite pastors says about idolatry. We will either worship God or other things. We cannot eliminate God without creating God's substitutes. Something will capture our hearts and imaginations and be the most important thing to us, our ultimate concern, value, and allegiance. So every personality, community, and thought form will be based on either God himself or on some God substitute, an idol. I want you to begin to think, what are my God substitutes? Because here's where the fruit of the Spirit is going to manifest itself in your life. If you plant yourself in God's substitutes, if you find your, your value, your worth, your satisfaction in something that's non-God, you may look like a, a Christian tree, you may go the right places as a Christian tree, but you will not bear Christian tree fruit because you have bad roots. And it's, it's like this. If I, if I had a, a dead tree here, and it was planted in idolatry, it was planted in sin, but they went to church service and they heard a sermon like this and said, well, I should have the fruit of the Spirit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get some fruit of the Spirit and I'm going to duct tape this orange onto my dead branch. And I'm going to duct tape this bundle of grapes onto my dead branch. And I'm going to duct tape a cantaloupe and a banana and all these fruits just duct taped to that tree. And I'm going to put it right in the middle of my house and I'm going to leave it there for five years for all the world to see. Now that house is going to get vile in a quick hurry. Those fruits are going to rot because they're actually not attached to something that's living because the thing that they're attached to is not rooted in Jesus. It's rooted in idolatry. Whereas you have a fruit tree, a legit in-the-ground fruit tree. I've got a grapefruit tree. It's only this big, and the grapefruits are so huge. or about as big as one of my kids' heads. And that thing just grows. But you know what? Those grapefruits... I've been watching them since I moved here in April. When I moved here in April, I thought it was like a lime tree. And I was like, sweet, Coronas. And then they got bigger, an orange tree. Nope, blue moon. No, I'm sorry, I'm not an alcoholic. And then they grew into grapefruits. I'm telling you, I didn't even have any coffee today, you guys. They grew into grapefruits. Now, over the span of seven months, I've been watching these fruits grow. I'm just like, you can do it, little buddy. And I put fertilizer on there. I water the thing. I, I trim branches that I think look bad. I have no idea what I'm doing, but these fruits keep growing. And here's the thing about those grapefruits. It's a gradual process. They don't just pop up overnight. If you're looking at them every day like I've been, they don't just, boop, there they are. But that's so often how we treat Christianity because our culture's like that. We want something, we go get it now. Oh, I'm hungry, let's just go get food. It's called fast food. They make it really fast. I don't know how, but it's really nasty and bad for you. In Christianity, we, we take that same mentality in, like, hey, um, the preacher said I'm supposed to have more fruit of the Spirit, so what I'm going to do is go out today, and I'm going to just get all sorts of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, happiness, self-control up in here. And you're going to walk out of here with a smile. 
You're going to get to the store. Someone's going to cut you off. That person's going to flip you off. You're going to go to the grocery line. You're going to buy something. It says buy one, get one free. And they said, no, just kidding. That was the wrong tag. Then you're going to get home. You're going to make lunch. You're going to leave lasagna in. It's going to burn. Your husband's going to say, what's that delicious smell? He, 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 he. And you're going to smack him. And then all the fruit of the Spirit is gone. And that's like three hours. That's your life and mine. So here's what I'm telling you to do. Go home today and say, where am I not rooted in God? Where have I taken my life? Because some of you are not believers. Some of you don't follow Jesus. Your whole life is rooted on, I find my satisfaction, my hope, my worth. It's here. It's in my job. It's in my family. It's in my sports. And as long as I do that, then I'll be a good person. But what you don't realize is in the midst of that, you still bear the image of God, but you're not going to have the life-giving fruit. You're not going to have the spiritual life of God's vitality filling your body, filling your being, overflowing to becoming the most loving, peaceful, joyful person that you could possibly be. So you identify that idolatry root. You identify that thing and you say, how do I get from that soil into God's soil where I'm constantly being bombarded with the good news of Jesus? That's the good soil. It's not being bombarded with rules and do's and don'ts and should and should nots. It's constantly being bombarded with what that song said. You are no longer slaves. You are sons and daughters of God. And if we believe that, I mean, most sermons don't need to be preached. If I believe that, I wouldn't have to be preaching this sermon to myself right now. Because that's the soil where we can flourish. Because what do we fear if God is our dad? I wouldn't fear anything. My son fears nothing. Jackson fears nothing. You know why? He doesn't have a good construct of God yet, but he, he knows, and I've told him, no matter what happens to you, I will come. If a bad guy takes you, I will kill them in Jesus' name. If somebody kidnaps you, I will not stop until I find you or I stop breathing. And he puts his hope in just my words, and I'm just a gangly preacher. I'm not the, the divine creator of the universe who sustains every living being and now dwells in you to produce this type of fruit. The fruit will grow inevitably if you're attached to God's spirit. It is inevitable. My grapefruit tree, if it is attached to the ground and is still a grapefruit tree and getting the nutrients it needs, it will grow grapefruits. It is inevitable. So if you look back in your life and you could do a little mental checklist, one year ago, were you less loving, less joyful, less peaceful than you are today? Five years ago, were you less loving? Because it is inevitable that if you are connected to, the, to this Holy Spirit, that his fruit will grow out of you. So if you look back right now and you're like, okay, I've been in church for 25 years. Let me think. 25 years ago, pagan, check. 20 years ago, I got a little bit better. 20, 15 years ago, oh, I actually started loving people. 10 years ago, I actually started saying hi when people said hi to me on the street. And the list goes on. And you found more peace than you ever knew you could have. And then you hit a tragedy. Tragedies are the litmus test for fruit of the Spirit. Because if you want to know if you have the true peace of God, Wait till your boat of your life gets rocked, flipped upside down, and smashed with 20 anvils. And then if you can walk through that and say, huh, I still feel like God's in control. That's when the Spirit of God is testifying to you, say, saying, I'm here. And we have, I could right now do a dozen stories from people sitting in this room. People with disease and sickness and family trials that are going on. And they come to me and say, I don't know why. I just have a peace about this. And then I, I say in my head, I know exactly why. Because the Spirit of God is welling up in you and giving you a supernatural peace. Man, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, if you have the Spirit in you, the fruit will grow. It will be inevitable. It will be gradual. 
Don't expect, uh, as I've said, super testimony man to be you. I, I was so discouraged about the testimonies I heard as a young Christian because we were starting that new contemporary service at the church I was at, and they got the best testimonies in the world. The testimonies of the guy that I've shared before with you, he got up on stage and, and he, he said, you know, here's my life. I killed people. I robbed people. I kicked puppies. I did all the worst stuff. And then Jesus saved me, and now I just love people. I give all my money to the poor, and uh, I, I sing with the angels every morning, and God speaks right into my ear. And then he'd walk off stage, and I'd be this 19, 20-year-old kid thinking, man, God helped a murdering, thieving puppy kicker, and I can't even stop checking out the girl in the third pew. God, I need your strength. And that, that image was painted for me over and over again. What it means to follow God, Ryan, is you just don't watch these movies, don't drink these things, don't do these activities. No one ever told me about this root and fruit stuff. That if I didn't deal with my sinful root, I would never bear healthy fruit. That if I didn't identify by the works of the flesh, the junk drawer things in my life, that I'd never be able to plant myself in God's good news. But if you do that, and if the Spirit is in you, as many of you ask me, how do I know if I'm saved? If you, if you want to know if you're saved, ask yourself those questions. Is spiritual growth growing in me? Is it a gradual growth process? Are you getting better? And by better, I don't mean that you're cleaning yourself up. Are you reflecting Jesus more and more? Are you falling in love with Jesus more and more? Are you finding yourself totally taken and gripped by his love for you more and more as your life goes on? And then third, it will be symmetrical. These are a singular fruit of the Spirit. You're not going to get radically loving and suck at self-control. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the nine aspects of it growing simultaneously into their fullness of what God has for your life. So you say, okay, Ryan, I want it. How do I get it? How do I not just turn this into a list where I wake up every morning and I write it on my mirror and say, I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to try to be more peaceful, joyful, gentle, etc. Here's what you've got to do first. It's very simple. Take a look at your life and ask yourself, what things do I do that make me love Jesus more? Not like Jesus more, not think about Jesus more, that make you love Jesus more. And if you're having trouble with that, just put it right on human terms. Because anyone that's married, you could do that with your spouse. What does my spouse do that makes me love her more? Or what do I do that makes my spouse love me more? And this is a free marriage tip, guys. If you just do that thing over and over, your marriage will be better. But for some reason... Marriage is this crazy thing where two sinners get together. I got to do a wedding yesterday. It was awesome. And I, and I love talking with premarital couples because they don't know anything yet. They're like about to get married. They have all the answers. It's like the person without kids that knows how to raise your kid. And you're just like, no, you just don't even know. Until you've not slept as much as I've not slept, it's your mouth. Okay. <laughs> Marriage is the same way. And this couple, you know, they know everything. And it's so fun because their brother's here and, and they're not here because they just got married, thank the Lord. They know everything. They, they got it down. They're going to get communication. Then they're going to wake up like a month from now, and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I married a sinner. And I told them both. I said, you're both marrying a sinner, and you need Jesus in the middle of this because it's two sinners getting together. But one of the things we talk about often is, what, what, do you, what do you do that makes your person love you more? Just keep doing that. And then in marriage, what happens is, as you're doing that, sin creeps in, and then you get this whole control panel that's put in front of you, and the control panel in front of me says, her buttons. And my sin nature says, push them all. <laughs> and I just try one. Like when you're married six months, you're like, let's try the leave the dishes in the sink button. Doot. 
DEFCON 4. Okay. Noted. Let's try the don't let her put her ice cold feet on me in the middle of the night. Doot. Noted. Kicked in the face. <laughs> and then, I don't know how this goes, but I've heard once you get to 20 years, you're like Beethoven. You just do a symphony of these buttons. <laughs> and then we think, and then we think that God is somehow different and that falling in love with God, being in love with God is different. Think about what, what makes you love Jesus and do those things. Let's keep it as simple as possible. So for me, I'm going to tell you the things that I love doing, and it's not going to be the same for you. I love water. I love it. When I was on the search committee, Jared was asking me the craziest questions you could ever imagine. One of them was this. He said, well, we're in Florida, and God might call you to Florida, but what if he calls you to Arizona? Would you still go even though there's no water? Because I told him how much I love the water and oceans and stuff. And I had to think long and hard, like, do I love Jesus more than water? Yes. And I said, I'm sure there's like a lake there, right? You know? <laughs> For me, you take me out to Anna Maria Island, take me out even to the bay. People think the bay is all gross and nasty. I love it. I could sit at Apollo Beach or Little Harbor, and I sit down in the sand, and my feet go where they belong. My feet were born to be in the sand. I only wear shoes one day a week. That's when I'm here with you guys. And I sit there, and I just thank God, and I feel like his grace and mercy washes over me. That's one way that I know when I'm there, my heart goes right to Jesus. Uh, another place for me that I've shared with you, I journal in cemeteries. I know it's weird, but bear with me. It reminds me that I'm going to die sooner than later, and I am okay with that. As a matter of fact, I'm not only okay with that, I have some competitions going with my friends as to who's going to die sooner, and I always tell them, that's why I eat bacon. You wonder why I'm a bacon addict? I will eat eight pieces of bacon a day so that I can meet Jesus at the age of 65, and I am totally okay with that. And you may be thinking, well, you're kind of morbid, and I probably am, but if your pastor's not excited to die, then who in the world should be? I mean, if I don't believe what I tell you, I believe that when I die, my last breath here is my first breath there, and I'm with God forever, and I don't have to stare at you guys for a little bit of time. I have some peace and quiet in my own home. Like, so many good things. I get to eat the best fruit in the world. Mangoes will be juicier. Steak will be better. Wine will be sweeter. I just cannot wait and then stare at Jesus face to face and then sing that song, Hey, I'm no longer a slave because you bought me. You're the best. Man. So that's what I do. I go to cemeteries, and I journal and read my Bible. What is it for you? that stirs up your affections for Jesus. Some of you are, are going to say, well, for me, it's drawing. For me, I start playing the piano, and I just start singing these songs. And I love the old hymns, or I love the new songs. Some of you, it's going to be crazy. Like some of my evangelism-oriented buddies, I'm like, man, what stirs up your affections for Jesus? They say, oh, dude, I just love, I love going to like the most gnarliest, raunchiest bar I can find. And I worship there. I'm like, really? So dirty. Do you drink beer? No, man, it's just me and Jesus in those bars. That may be you. And praise God for it. But until you get to that point where you can uproot yourself out of the idle soil and root yourself in God's word, root yourself in things that stir your affections up for Jesus, you'll be on this cycle and you'll be this messed up looking tree coming in every week and you'll just have dead branches with a duct tape dying orange and a duct tape bunch of grapes that has long turned to raisins. And if that's your Christianity, if it feels that weak and powerless, it's probably time for an overhaul, an uprooting and a replanting in God's soil and God's word. And let the good news of Jesus wash over you. 
and then start looking for that inevitable, gradual, symmetrical growth of these fruits of the Spirit in your life. Whatever it takes, there's nothing, I think, that's too silly. If it gets you loving Jesus more, do that today. As simple as that is. I know sometimes it's difficult with all the things going on in life. It's difficult for me as well. Um, and, th and that's why we've, we're making a push during these cafe moments. Where it's sort of like Cafe 2.0, where we're going to be adding components of our cafe time just to help better equip you guys and know here's how you can press into what discipleship looks like, whether for a family, for a date night with your husband and wife, supporting missionaries. We want to get in a rhythm of this place of stirring up our affections and giving you opportunities to do that. One of my favorite things about a church uh, that, that I love, absolutely love, it's the Rock Church in San Diego, and the pastor's name is Miles McPherson, and, uh, and he, he saved my mentor, my mentor saved me, and so they're, they're in that circle. But they do this thing, and I think it's mind-blowing. They clap for their offering. Like, the offering comes out, and some people are so fired up to give to God that they clap for the offering. I don't think that that happens unless the Holy Spirit of God is in people. And I've been so floored lately by the generosity of this church. It, it, it just makes me fall on my face and say, God, why would you bring this band of amazing misfits together to do your work in this community? You guys have been so loving and so kind, and I'm so grateful for you. And that, for me, is one of my things. It stirs up my love for, for Jesus. And I hope it is for you. I know that uh, as, as the worship team was were singing these songs today, I put a ton of pressure on them. Because I said, Jared, you're singing two of my favorite worship songs in one week. Don't you dare blow it. And they sang those songs, Touch the Sky and No Longer a Slave. And I, I usually kind of walk around and pray for people as the service is going on, but I couldn't. I just had to come park right up here. And I heard some people singing in my ears. Miklases, I think, were singing. My friend next to me was singing. And oh, just love Jesus more. And if we get away from that, if this becomes about going home and trying, trying with our strength to be more loving, you're going to find yourself quickly like a dead tree with duct tape fruit. Find what gives you life in Christ and plant yourself there. Plant yourself in this book. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for all the good news. Thank you for the good things you give us. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the radical generosity that I see in people. God, I thank you for Alice and Jerry York who have peace in the midst of a difficult illness. God, I thank you for the Modisets who are faithful to meet needs at this chapel. And nobody even knows the needs they're meeting. So we'll keep that reward in there for you. God, I am so thankful for the way that I get to see Aaron and his wife raised their two little girls to love Jesus. God, I'm thankful that, that Frank is here and he's, God, he's not the most naturally gentle person, but he's, his heart is so big and so kind and so giving and so loving. I love seeing his face here every week. God, I thank you that Matt Decker runs the slides for us. A teenager, plug it in. God, I thank you 
for every family that's here. I pray that you would reveal to us our idols. I pray that you would plant us in your good soil and shower us with the good news of Jesus, that we are free, it is finished. We're your kids. Thanks for being our dad. In Jesus' name, amen.